This is the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our mission is to connect people to the outdoors, to each other, and to themselves. I'm your host, Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. And I'm Ben Brandell, your fellow adventurer and outdoor expert. We're here to tell stories, share our experiences, and be your friends as we seek to deepen our relationship with God the Creator. Every episode, we'll share stories and practical tips to enhance your outdoor experiences, whether it's hiking, hunting, fishing, or simply finding a quiet spot to listen to God. We've got you covered. So whether you're a seasoned outdoorsman or just getting started, the Men to Be Outdoors podcast is here to help you be more confident and confident. Subscribe now and let's make every outdoor moment count. A warm welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian. This is my co-host, Ben. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking one of our absolute favorite topics, bass fishing. Yes, sir. Tournament bass fishing in particular. Uh, we can't wait to talk about this. It's something that's super, we're super passionate about, something we love. A lot of ter- turmoil in the world of tournament bass fishing right now. We'll highlight some of that, but we really just want to talk about this is an outdoor activity in general and maybe encourage somebody to, to keep going with tournament bass fishing or to try it out as, as something new. Uh, before we get started, though, we, we need to give thanks. My thanks today goes out to all the chemists <laughs> because we wouldn't have soft plastics if people weren't just mixing and creating concoctions using uh, man-made yeah. items. And so I was thinking about the fishing topic today and how I really – I use more soft baits, those plastic, those real soft, squishy plastic baits. I use more of them than I do hard baits uh, if I think about the whole year. And so I am thankful to to those people or whoever. I don't even know the first person. I don't know the first bait, actually, the soft bait. I don't know what the first one was, but uh, my shout-out and thanks goes to uh, them. Yeah, he does always use the soft baits because he's always back of the boat in me, putting that front right where he needs to flip his bait so I don't get to cast in there. <laughs> Whatever. I could testify to that. Whatever. Uh, what I'm thankful for today, kind of maybe a silly one, but I, I really enjoyed um, something that I did with my family over the weekend. That was going to see a movie at a movie theater. So I am thankful that movie theaters are still open and, and showing movies between the digital explosion and how, I mean, people, companies are now putting movies straight out like you can buy them at home and, and watch them without having to go to the theater right. uh, from COVID when you couldn't even go be in a theater with people yeah. to, to horrific shooting crimes happen in theaters. But there are companies, cinema companies that are powering through and it was actually pretty busy when I went, but it was the first time with my young children that it was both, neither of them have ever been to a theater. They've been asking. So You're such a to, mean dad. That's I, so I'm mean terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm just not, I'm not that big of a movie guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge movie guy <clears throat> and we're so busy. Uh, my wife and I were saying, when's the last time we were to a movie? And we're like, it might have been 10 years since, well, and, since we'd been. And I don't know what movie you went to, Sheriff, sure if you want. No, we went to see Migration. Migration. Yeah. I found out last night <clears throat> we could watch it on our TV, and we could have rented it for like five ninety nine. And you were telling me <laughs> what it cost you to actually go to the theater, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, so I have a, a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and then me and my wife, and we got one bag of popcorn. No drinks, nothing else. So four tickets and a bag of popcorn was $53. That's crazy. For an hour and 22-minute kids movie. Right. But the experience <laughs> Ouch. is what you paid for. The experience yeah. was awesome. Everybody right. had a great time. They all want to go back. Uh, nobody choked on popcorn. It was a good movie. It was good. It was good for the family. So thankful for that. Thankful that, that there are still cinemas to go out and watch movies at because, gosh, 
when we were teenagers, man, that was that was the thing to do. Mm-hmm. It was the thing we had to call. Well, I I think this is how you show how old you are. <laughs> this is how you call Gen Z or the young kids. They pick up phones like this. <laughs> like that. Hello. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you're listening to this on YouTube. <clears throat> If you're watching on YouTube, we're, we're, you can see what we're doing, how we're answering the phone. But if you're just listening, I got my pinky out and my thumb up, and that's how us old folk act like we're answering the phone. But the young kids use a flat palm like the cell phone just laying in their palm, and that's how they, <laughs> that's how they answer. <laughs> Have you seen the videos of that? It's like uh, the parent and a child are sitting next yes. to each other, and it says, show how you would answer a phone call. And every time the kids they put their, their palm yeah. up there, it's pretty funny. Pretty funny, but anyway, we're talking bass fishing today, and the reason for that is the season's upon us. Uh, February, oh gosh, it's February this week already, and down south, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, I mean, there there is pre-spawn action happening right now. Fish are feeding up, starting to move shallower and shallower, getting ready for that spawn, and the pro circuits, the pro bass fishing circuits are underway. I think uh, Major League Fishing, they started today, oh, well... The Bass Pro Tour started today. It's going on right now. Last we checked, Jacob Wheeler yep. had a lead, 12, 14 pounds, something like that. Yep, you have it up right now, that? we have 47 minutes left. Jacob Wheeler is in first place with 85, 15. What's second place got? Six. 85? Last time I looked, he had 76. No, 81, 15. Excuse me if I said it wrong. 81, 81 15. So 81 pounds, 15 ounces, and then it, uh, or 81, Gosh. 0.15 pounds, and then he has 25 fish. Yeah. 25 fish. And second is 70-something? 65. Oh, my gosh. 06. So he's coming up on, on 20. He's, what, 16 gosh, pounds over? He's just so he's good. He's good. He's the best good. The best to His ever His big bass is 8 pounds, a little over 8 pounds. <sighs> yeah. That's huge. I think he caught, I think that was his first fish of the day. I think his first fish today was, it was one of his first few fish of the day was 8 pounds. That's it says his latest amazing. fish is 210. But gosh, MLF is underway. Yes, it is. They had a Toyota series event, I believe. Was I think it was just this last week down in Florida on Okeechobee. Uh, the Bassmaster Opens, I believe, is on Okeechobee this week as well, maybe even starting today. And then the Elite Series starts, I think, February 22nd, the Bassmaster Elite Series starts. So all of these big pro tournaments are underway. We're going to be moving into pre-spawn here in Northern Arkansas, Southern Missouri, oh, in the next 30 days or so, we're going to be starting to move into some of those pre-spawn patterns, which, man, that's when fishing really starts to get good. You can catch big ones, and you can, honestly, you you have, for me, a better chance of catching two, three, four, five big ones than the rest of the year. It is such a fun time, though. Um, I still think there are days that are pretty brutal, so like, I get in this mindset of, all right, we're getting pre-spawn, fish are starting to move a little bit. And I'll have those days where I just completely strike out, and it, mm-hmm. it is disheartening. But I still have hope because I know that spring is around. <laughs> the corner. Spring is just right around the corner. So, and and spring is so awesome for bass fishing because that's that's when bass spawn and they come up and and you can see them. I mean, you can see the beds, you can see the fish, and be able to visibly fish for them. Even if you can't see them, you're able to get a lot of bites because such a large population, such a large portion of the population is up shallow, not out 60, 70, 80 feet. Uh, so you have a good chance of just going down the bank, fishing shallow and, and catching fish. So spring is a, a special, special time for bass fishing, and, and it's starting to be on our minds. We have not caught a bass yet in 2024. Yeah, we actually haven't had the time. We are going to go, hopefully this week, hopefully. Uh, we should be able to. We yeah. should knock out all of our tasks. Is, is your boat ready? 
because mine's not. It's ready enough. <laughs> it's ready enough. Mine's not. I don't even think I have. I don't even think I have a line on all my reels. <laughs> now that now that's a problem for you. Uh, I have some I have some boxes to check before we're able to go fishing, but it, it's gonna have to happen soon because this is I think the latest. This is the latest into a year in several years that I've went without catching a bass yet. Like I usually first or second week of January, I'm able to check that box. This but we've year, had crazy weather. Right. They say this year has been different. I mean, even my uncle and I, we usually crappie fish by now mm-hmm. and are out doing some crappie fishing and. Uh, just with the temperatures, it just hasn't been worth it. But, yeah. but you know, this episode, we're talking about really the tournament tournament fishing. And so why do you think, Brian, that tournament fishing is is awesome or not? Like, what is it about tournament fishing? Well, um, yeah, I, go ahead. I personally love to fish bass tournaments. I, I think the, the allure uh, speaks for itself with the absolute explosion that we have seen I'm going to say in the last five years, like the really, really near past, the the sport has absolutely exploded. Um, and we'll talk about, I think, a little bit later in the podcast that it's exploded so much, people are going to start have to think about some some steps and regulations to, to preserve our waterways. But it has an allure. And, and I think the allure is that, you know, you play basketball, you play baseball, and and you're you're in control of what you're doing. Like you know what you're going to get into each day. There is structure around the game. Like you, you know, there's three strikes. You know, there's four balls. You know the ball that you're playing with. You every baseball field generally is about the same. Every basketball court is the same dimensions. Mm-hmm. But bass fishing isn't like that. It's something new every single time you go. Even if you don't go to a different lake, the lake you went to, you could go to the same lake a week later, and it's different than it was a week before. And the fish are always doing different things, trying to find that bait, trying to find the location, right. being able to the camaraderie, getting out in the boat, being out in nature, and watching all the other wildlife and the things that are happening. I, I mean, if I were to sit down and write all the stories that, of wildlife encounters I've had bass fishing over the years that didn't have anything to do with fish, like some really wild stories, the things you see out there. So I think all of those things combined just makes it, plus the competition, if you're a competitor, putting the puzzle together, competing against other people in nature, it's just a recipe for a good time. Yeah. You know, everything you talked about for me is why I love to fish. But the allure for me for the tournament side, honestly, is it gives me a, a more fine-tuned purpose because you and I can go out and fish and and see what we can catch. Yeah, but when fun I, fishing. Yeah, fun fishing. Right. But when I add in just that that little bit of challenge, you know, that little bit of competition, because um, some people may take that to the extreme of that that competitiveness, and you have to when you're when you're doing that professionally you for, for a living. living. Yeah. But you know, there are different types of tournaments that you can do. Um, it's not just at the professional high level. Uh, there are all kinds, and so any that you enter into though as a, a tournament. Fishing for bass, uh, yeah. You said the camaraderie. You have that when you meet up with all these other anglers, and you're all floating out on this water, just sitting still, waiting for this tournament to start. A lot of these tournaments start off with the national anthem. Um, they talk about uh, the flights. So flights are the different times that each groups mm-hmm. of boats, yeah. uh, depending on the number of, of how many they let into the tournament. Anyway, just this pre. The coffee, moment. the breakfast, the donuts, you the know, sandwiches. Yeah. And then when you get to hammer down when it's your turn, and I mean, you're going and you're, it's it's interesting. Like if you're one of the first ones that get to go out that first flight and you're one of the the small numbers and you get to go out first, 
more than likely you're going to you're going to get to go fish in the spots you want to. But yeah. when when you're down at the bottom, <laughs> you kind of have this this plan B of like if if I go all the way up here and there's someone there where I am, like, what am I going to do? And yeah. so it gets into that strategy. And so it gives me purpose. It gives me a purpose of why I'm out there actually fishing hard. And then it allows me to have and to use some of that strategy that I love. Well, e- even non-fishermen, I was going to ask, did you not want to hear yourself today? You're just so tired of your own voice. Well, it sounded really good in here, but but the, your voice is echoing, so I'm going to put it back on. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Well, I mean, you're you're kind of talking about some of the these anecdotal experiences inside the tournament because even people who are not fishermen understand like the allure of fishing is to go catch a fish to feel that bite. And let me tell you that <laughs> that is awesome. Like that that is what I think I said it earlier today. Like, man, I haven't caught a fish yet. I need to feel that bite. Right. The reeling in, the fighting, all that's awesome. But feeling that bite, like I fooled them, I found them, and I fooled them, and it's that anticipation of when it's going to happen. That is awesome. But the anecdotal things that you're talking about, the takeoff, the going 65, 70 miles an hour on the water in a, mm-hmm. in a bass boat, the, yeah, the cold mornings, the camaraderie, all that, it adds to the experience. And you don't even, you can't fathom, before you start tournament fishing, you can't fathom how much those things, those experiences bring to the actual fishing. Well, correct, because you're talking about wanting to fill that bite. You and I can go do that without fishing a tournament. Right. But when you've been fishing for an hour and you haven't you haven't figured out what's going on yet or your what you thought was working wasn't, and then all of a sudden you get that bite, that feels so different <laughs> and is so much better than just going out and just flipping for the day. Well, like, it, and it's different too because when you and I are just going out fun fishing, like we we obviously want to catch big ones. We try to catch big ones, but we start out just trying to get bites, and mm-hmm. getting bites is awesome. Even if they're 12, 13 inches, but when you're on a tournament fishery and you're fishing and you're trying to catch what's what's called a, a keeper fish, which every fishery has a minimum for each spe- species of fish. And for us, where we live, uh, most of the lakes we fish, it's 15 inches for black bass. Some of them are 12 for, for spotted bass, but mm-hmm. most of them are 15 inches. So when you get a 15-inch or longer and you can start counting, one, two, three, four, five, putting those keepers into your live well. Yeah. It feels really good. Oh, it, it really, does. really when, good. When there have been tournaments where we've had five and it feels great. But then comes in that is this five big enough to even do anything for us? Mm. And that <laughs> that that whole that's where it gets in this mind game for me, man. It, and and it really, it really, really is a mind game. Let me ask you this. We I talked about some of those experiences outside of actually fishing and catching fish, like going fast in a bass boat. Cause I mean, <laughs> it feels really good to be skipping across that water. However, have there ever been any times for you where <laughs> maybe that wasn't a positive experience? Yeah. So, you know, fishing, uh, I think I've talked about this before, but it was called the central program and, uh, you had boaters. So they were the professionals, they bring their boat and then your co-angler, or the amateur would yep. be in the back, the non-boater. And so um, I was on the amateur side fishing the, the Central Pro-Am. So we fished uh, Missouri, um, Arkansas, Oklahoma. And um, in that cycle, you know, you get drawed. You get drawed with the pro you had. You didn't get to pick. It'd be nice if you got to pick. But it was just supposedly, it was supposed to be a random draw. And I cannot think of his name right now. Um, I probably wouldn't share it, <laughs> even if I remembered it. But... The way that he, when we took off... Um, Is it somebody still fishing? No, I haven't seen this name. Okay. No, I haven't seen this name in a while, not even locally. But 
Um, you know, as we took off, it's fun. This boat was bigger than, than most boats I'd ever been in, you know. But he was telling me that basically, you know, a straight line is your fastest way from point A to point B. But <laughs> He's not wrong. No, but these dudes would take like a point. A point can come way out. Sometimes they can be yeah. shallow. They can be deep. But they get so close to the bank. I mean, they were getting so close to the bank trying to to get there as fast as they could, wherever that was. And I mean, I'll just say puckered. That's just the word I'm going to use because <laughs> it's an uneasy feeling when you're doing 65, 70 miles an hour and there isn't a whole lot to hold on to. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they have straps like down below your seat or sometimes uh, to the sides. They, but they I mean, call those oh shoot handles. Yeah. And I mean, you're <laughs> locked in, but it's all you can do just when the boat's bouncing, you know? And I thought, man, if, if we hit something like we're done, yeah, I mean, uh, we're done. Like I, I hope that I remain conscious as I'm in the air, getting ready to slam into this water. You like, didn't hit anything. You're fine. No, we never did. Thank the good Lord. But some of those men, I think took that maybe a little too serious. Um, we did the, the guy I was with. We he didn't place, so so it clearly didn't matter. Right? <laughs> it didn't matter how fast he yeah. got there. Uh, you have you ever been out? Which I know you have because you and I have, have been out fishing tournaments together. This happened, but uh-huh. you're at takeoff and it's raining or it rains. We fished one tournament. And it rained the entire day. Yeah, I mean it never did not rain the entire time we were out there. But man, going fast in a bass boat. And that rain is hitting your skin, whether needles. it's your hands or your face. It needles. feels like people was throwing needles, needle yeah. darts yeah. at your face. And so that's a little unpleasant. But yeah. m- generally, the boat ride is really fun. Um, going out th- the day before pre-fishing, trying to put a plan together, that's really fun. Go- two days before. like Some people spend an entire week preparing for a tournament. Oh, yeah. Tons of money, yeah. tons of fuel, tons of time preparing because they take that competitive that competitive side serious like they they want to win but even that like you and i have pre-fished for several tournaments and we've we've pre-fished and and done well and then still done well in the tournament we've pre-fished and done awful not even gotten a bite the entire day Mm -hmm. i remember one time you and i were going to fish a tournament i think it was in march i think it was a pre-spawn tournament because i remember we were throwing some jerk baits and and, and red crank baits, kind of the that typical mm-hmm. early early spring for here, yes, uh, type lures, and mm-hmm. uh, we fished hard, and we didn't get a bite. No, you know what? I caught one bass on a jig that was not a keeper, and that's all we got the entire day, <laughs> the entire day. Yeah, and you and I were so cold and so beat down at the end of that practice day that we were put the boat on the trailer and as soon as we got in the truck we both look at each other like you really want to come back tomorrow do you really want to and you said no right now i really don't but let's go get a cheeseburger and a sweet tea and then talk about it yes and we did <laughs> and so we went on we got a cheeseburger <laughs> we and they ate got had re- that little place where they had the cheese curds uh-huh you know I, I that's part of it too like the little cafes the food that goes along with these lakes and bass fishing like that is part of the that is part of the whole thing too. I don't even think of that, but yeah, to you, get off the water and go get that is when they're out in other states or or multi day tournaments. You know, try new places. A lot of these guys. I mean, you're not going to stay at the the Ritz or whatever expensive hotel. They're right the little hotels or motels next to the water, and it is neat to see all the boats when they're all backed in, all lined up. You know, and everyone's trying to charge 
uh, their batteries off of <laughs> off of an outlet somewhere that you they got can one find. outlet four cords. Mm-hmm. People knocking yep. on your door. Those those women one time were knocking on our doors. Do you have an extension cord? We can't charge our right. boat. Yep. Thankfully, so, we had an extra one, and then they beat us. That they was did beat not us. cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they did. But no, it's that is a part of that. It's that the whole process to it. Because um, you were sharing too that like in in the tournament fishing, you know that preparation side. That for me is so fun. I love. <sighs> Preparing there, my reels. There are a lot of really line. just small experiences that add up to make a big experience. Right. And now that we're sitting here discussing it, it's almost more of the experiences outside of actually fishing that make tournament fishing so awesome for me because I hadn't even thought about the prep. Mm-hmm. But putting the line on and, yes. and picking the baits and tying them on and making sure all your knots are perfect and all the baits that you have tied on are fresh and perfect and every soft plastic is lined up. That is so yep. much fun too. Well, you'll even see guys at a lot of these uh, these hotel motels that have pools. Yeah. They will. They. I mean, you'll see them out flipping their baits in these pools. Most of the time, it's crankbait. Yep. Uh, and they're just making sure that their crankbaits are running straight because you can actually see how they run in that clear water. Um, but that's a whole. That's just. Yeah, that's a part of all of the process, and um, and then you also have, especially as you get into that world and you're living in it and you know the other anglers. You know, there's a lot of elbowing, a lot of finger, yeah. you know. A little trash little, talk. A little trash talking yeah. going on. And, and that's a part of it. I think it's fun. Uh, then, of course, there's doc talk. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, I caught him good today. Trying to psych him out. I caught, yeah. him, I caught him good. Yeah, I caught him on a stupid tube. Like, yeah. then yeah. you're going back like, oh, man, I was throwing a jerk bait. They're biting a stupid tube. <laughs> yeah. What do I need to change? And, and all it. the psychological games that go along with it. I mean, there is so much that goes into it that really just makes it it, it it makes it amazing. Uh, that's all. I I love it. I wish I, I wish we got to do it more. Uh, one of the downsides of it is it it costs a lot of money, and and you don't win a whole lot of money. Yeah, and I'll also add up here like the downside. Um, if not if we want everyone listening to go experience it one time. Um, but in that, if you are the boater, you're taking your boat, and it's your first tournament. There are so many things to be careful of. But one of them is that takeoff that we were talking about, how fun it is, how awesome it is. But you do have a lot of anglers that that have big bass boats that are going to go fast. They don't true. I mean, they, they do care about you. However, the whole point is I got to get there fast. Some of the areas that you take out of are so rough. Yeah. It becomes by that second flight. It is just a rough craziness that's happening. Especially so, for um, us in our 18-foot boats. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> sometimes you just have to get out of the way. Um, let some of that get through um, just to be safe because it gets a little chaotic there that that first flight for sure. So after you go through all the anecdotal things that we're talking about, let's talk about actually fishing. Like what what are the rules? How, how does a tournament day go? What's it look like? I mean, there's there are different tournaments out there, right? There so are. we're not going to be able to cover. Every there are rule. now. There hasn't been for that long, but there right. are now. There are now. I think it's been, was it 2015, 2016 that they really started a launch of, of tournaments with something different than the traditional five fish weigh-in? Yeah, and I don't know if we had this on our notes for later, but let me bring it up. I think I think the explosion um, in regards to all these different types is technology. And it's not maybe the technology most people think about, the forward imaging and all your electronics on your boat. It really is uh, our internet speeds. It's, yeah. it's allowing uh, the... Uh, consumer, the viewer, to to want to see more fishing take place. And and so a lot of these tournaments are trying to accommodate that. Of We realize that people want to see how these guys are fishing, what they're catching. They want to see the whole process. Whereas before that, a lot of times 
you would go to the big, the big, big tents. You would go to these, uh, uh, not conference centers, but you would go to see the weigh-in at the end and you didn't really know what took place during the day. And as they were starting to be able to record more and then start posting up on YouTube and we were watching, oh, yeah. this is how they did it. Really, I think it got more of the customer, like the more, the anglers that aren't professionals involved. You know, and then now with today with with having cell phone towers and they can live stream, that has definitely um, transformed how we consume fishing. You know, yeah, absolutely. And for for me as a kid growing up, it was just the BASS magazine. You know, we just had regular TV, so uh, I think it's TSN or some of these networks that were every Saturday or Sunday actually carrying Bassmaster events, getting to watch Bill dance and and. Uh, Roland Martin and some of those guys, like I, I wasn't getting to consume that because I didn't have the TV channels. Now you can consume on your phone, on the right. on your computer, on your TV, 10, 10 different ways. It's on cable television. It's on regular television. It's on ESPN. Like it is so consumable now. There's so much more access to it. For me, it was just a magazine taking that in. And then when they did have local events, going to those events like you're talking about, getting to see some of those those big names up close, watching them hold their fish. But mm-hmm. there was still something lacking from that. And and really for me, it's the education because you don't learn – you can learn from reading a magazine. But if Jacob Wheeler is on his boat on YouTube showing you how to use a bait and you can rewind it and watch his knot, how he tied it and the way he casted it, and right. these guys are showing you the settings that they're putting on their graph, and, and you can sit there and learn and consume and just take in all this information, it really it, it, it really just narrows that curve, that learning curve when you do go out on the water. You still have to go put it into practice because just watching is just really in theory. We've talked about that in a lot of episodes and different outdoor skills, but mm-hmm. to have all the knowledge and then to be able to go out and put that knowledge into practice, guys at 18, 19, 20 years old are just as good as it took guys – Till they're 45 to get back in the 80s and 90s. I got to cut in here and let you know that uh, Jacob Wheeler is at 88.12. So he caught another seven pounds while we've been talking. He's, uh, well, he's at 27 fish now, and the last one he caught was uh, 3-1. He, he's he's just, unbelievable. Oh, oh, but I might date myself here just a little bit, but um, it was when DVRs first came out. You know, growing up as a kid. Uh, that recording. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Growing up as a kid, uh, we only had the five local channels. We we never had the satellite TV and all that. Yep. And, um, and the only way to record was VHS. Yeah. Well, my first experience of tournament fishing was my, my uncle taking me to, um, it wasn't like, it wasn't take a kid fishing, but it was definitely designed for to take out the youth. Um, and for some reason, the name of, of that tournament they were putting on at the time has escaped me, but um we used to do that. Uh, he took me two or three times, uh, and so really kind of started like learning how much fun it was. It's kind of this competition. But then, as time goes by, you know, if you don't have the money, you can't drive. Your parents like it kind of limits you in that tournament fishing. Yep. Um, if your parents aren't in it, if they're not out hitting derbies, then the kids aren't either, right? And so, as it got time to where we started having DVRs where you could record the live TV and then come back and watch it later, when that first started coming out. I got one. It was with Dish, and it was Dish is one of their very first because uh, TiVo had come out and all this stuff. Anyway, uh, yeah, I gotta. I think it was Sports Center. I that, gotta know what what year do you think that was? Oh, I'm I look can't it even up. remember. But it was Sports Center that started putting on. Um, that's when I started watching more of the bass fishing um, tournaments. You could actually watch them on TV, but I would record them, 
and because it was around the time I think Tebow, if if you were to find it on uh, when Tebow came out. But anyway, the whole point I'm showing that is that there was also so after it was 1999. Okay, yeah. So around that time is is when like I was just like so you would have been like what 15 years old or so. 1999. Yeah. 89. Uh, 85 to when? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you were 14, 15 years old. So. Around that time, then, is when I started, like, wanting this education. I wasn't calling that. I didn't know what that. But I was watching these guys fish, and I was taking in all that I could. And I would record. They would only air it on Saturdays. And I was DVRing all of them. But then they'd also have these little shows after of the how-tos of from Shaky Head. I think that's where I'd first really seen, like, how to yep. rig up a Shaky Head with, with a fake worm, you know, a plastic bait. And listening to like what pound tests they were using and and taking all that in to be like I want to do that you know I want to learn I want to go buy that stuff and I want to go try it yeah and but it is technology is is what taught me uh those programs or what really got me into learning and wanting to experience more of it for sure well in the 90s I got a DVD I think it was called the Bass Pros yeah. And that was like my first introduction to Kevin Van Dam. He was really just hitting the scene and, and winning tournaments. Um and some of those some of those names I already mentioned, you know, the Roland Martins and mm-hmm. some of those those guys today that a lot of them are retired or getting close to retiring. And that was my that was my first introduction to actually watching these professional bass fishermen fish. And it, it was kinda like, man, I, I think I think I'd <laughs> I'd really like to try that. But then to me it was like how do how do you how do we even afford that? How do you get all these things? You know, the truck, the boats, and all those things to right. go do. So that right. that can be an obstacle to the sport. That there is a lot of startup cost. Even if you go on the cheap side, you're still talking about ten fifteen thousand dollars combined to get honestly cheap things. And, mm-hmm. and we don't have big fancy boats or trucks now, but just getting out there, you can compete. You and I have fit, fished against guys with sixty, seventy thousand dollar bass boats in a seventeen foot aluminum tracker and competed and, and took some of their money with us. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> you know, uh Gerald Swindle, uh he was on Michael Waddell's podcast. Um and he was actually sharing um I, his brother passed away and Gerald Swindle. Gerald Swindle, yeah. For those listening or watching that don't know, is uh he's he fishes bass masters. He's a very popular uh, he's popular on social media, but he's 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 a stud. He's yeah, a stud fisherman. Yeah. And but he was sharing that before his brother passed away, and had said, "Hey, if if my son wants to get in this fishing world, would you help him?" Yeah. And so his brother passed, and then he was just sharing this this story about um, how he's helping him because he wanted to. But in that, one of his first boats was <laughs> you have Gerald Swindle. <laughs> Having him fish tournaments out of a like an aluminum, you know, V bottom, yeah, little eighteen foot boat, and how if he would be willing to go do that, then he knew that he was in because it's like it really doesn't matter what you're in if you know how to fish, you're going to go out right and you're going to perform. <clears throat> it it isn't all about the the best of the best, you know, and how beautiful it looks. And that was just a cool story with me that resonated because that's I feel like just how you and I have lived our lives. We we only have what we have. And we didn't live outside of our means just to go put on yeah. a visual show or a performance. You yeah. know, it's this is what we got. We're going to use it, and we're going to go execute the best we can with what we got. And, and his nephew is Trey, Trey Swindle, and he's doing really well. If he's not, I don't know if he's he's fishing the. I guess he's probably considered a pro now. Do you know? I do, I actually don't. I, I know he's he's doing really well. He's he's got sponsors. He's making it in the fishing world. Uh, yeah, he's he's fishing. 
see what circuit he's fishing. I can't tell right off what he's he's fishing Bassmaster events. I don't think he's on the Elite Series yet, but I think he's fishing Bassmaster Opens, and that's a high level of fishing. In today's world of tournament bass fishing, the Opens are just as tough, if not tougher, than some of the Elite Series events because you're going to some of these. They're they're more regional, so some of these events that you're going to, like you are going against the best guys on those lakes. Like there's nobody better on those lakes because they fish them all the time. So those are some really tough events. So if he has made it that far. Mm-hmm. Then fishing out of an eighteen foot V bottom aluminum boat didn't hurt him too much. No, no, I mean he 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 was hanging right in there. He, so he's hanging right but in there, and you can. All that to say, like everything we were talking about was about the rules, like the rules of these tournaments, and and because of technology and, and more viewership and more money, that more sponsorship that can go into that, you know, it has changed the game. And yep. so an original style tournament, I mean, sure, there's Brian. What's what would be an original tournament? What would have been the rules? And then kind of what are we seeing happening more today? I know the the old style tournaments, I'm saying old, the, the original style tournaments are still taking place, but then we do have this new generation, this new style of, of bass fishing, tournament fishing. Well, and what we're going to call the original is going to be traditional big five. You keep yeah. your five biggest bass and you weigh them in because before that it wasn't five. It was like six or eight, and, and they actually brought them in, weighed them, and kept them. There was no catch and release. So now you bring them to a weigh-in station. You keep them in your live well throughout the day. You weigh your five biggest fish, and then you release them right there wherever the weigh-in station is. Everybody's weighing in at the same area. And that is your traditional. If you're fishing a little jackpot Tuesday nighters, Sunday nighters, uh, that's what it's going to be, your five biggest fish. Uh, Then you could get into clubs where you fish against the same guys five, six, seven times a year. Uh, Most of those are going to be your five best fish. Some of them because you are fishing as partners, will be six fish. Some of those tournaments will will add in that six fish, uh, but you really need to re- read through the rules before you fish even some of these little small 10, 15 boat tournaments because whoever put it together got to decide those. And, and since you put your money in to play the game, you have to follow that. But what has really taken off in the more recent years is two new formats. And one is length. Because of kayak fishing and the boom in kayak fishing, there are now professional kayak circuits, um, and those are all off length, length scoring systems, uh, because length of the fish, the length of the fish, because right. they're going on catch release. They want those. There's no way to properly keep a bass safe and healthy on a kayak. We don't want people hauling along stringers for seven hours uh, with the sun beating down on them two inches under the water. So they are uh, measuring these fish. Um, entering them into a score system. A lot of times they have to take a picture of them on the the, the board, the yeah. measuring board, right. uh, or an app that the tournament uh, has issued to be used, and they're scoring them that way. And that is great because these fish are being caught. They're out for a minute, then they're put right back in the area where they were caught. So if they're spawning, they can go right back. They're, the amount of time that they're actually handled is so minimum. They're not bouncing around in a live well. Um, and then the second one that has really, really taken off is catch, weigh, release. Mm-hmm. Now, this takes more infrastructure. This takes more people. It takes more it resources. Yes. It is more expensive. more expensive. But Major League Fishing is the one that has really got behind this and launched this. Um, it has not been without some roadblocks and obstacles along the way. They're still figuring things out. Um, they are super excited about it. I think if... If you get if you're in the tournament bass fishing world and you listen to all the pros, you, you've got guys that are totally against it. You've got guys that are totally for it. Um, it's created animosity against between guys that 
used to be friends or still are friends, and they're able to to hash it out. I know Mark Zona and, and Kevin Van Dam didn't exactly see eye to eye on it. Um, so some of the big names out there, it caused animosity. But at the end of the day, conservation is the view of this. They are catching the fish. They are weighing them. Everybody has a marshal on the same scale in their boat, and they're putting the fish back in. What stinks is that's really hard to translate down to these jackpots, to the Tuesday nighters, to the weekend anglers, yes. because it's expensive, and you can't have a marshal in every boat. And that's what stinks is that people lie. I mean, yeah. that really is if if everyone was truly honest to the utmost pinpoint, accurately honest, then you could do this. And you don't have to be around tournament bass fishing very long to figure out that people aren't. That's true. And that's sad. That That is a truth. Uh, there's a joke with that. I mean, Johnny Morris puts it on all like entrances it's of above his above the main entrance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. welcome. Uh, Hunters, fishermen, and all other all liars. All liars, right. And it, and it is kind of that joke, but what's sad is that it is the reality, and, and you have to have a marshal. You have to have a referee. Uh, there's just another name for him calling it there in that boat. And just, just to kind of help maybe those that are listening that, that aren't familiar with tournament fishing, just to recap, you know, when Brian was talking about the big five, remember there was a minimum length limit that these fish have to be, and let's just say it's 15. After you catch it, you're going to measure the length of it. And if it's 15 inches or above, you can keep it. Well, you're going to keep your first five fish. And then after that, whatever you catch, you're hoping that it weighs more yeah. than the other five that you've caught, that you've kept in your live well. You're hoping to turn your five two-pounders into five four-pounders. Yeah. And so you have these five fish, or or like some of us, you only have two keepers all day long. <laughs> that, that happens. But you have your five, which is your limit for most of those tournaments. And they stay in the live wheel with you in the boat all day long until that weigh until the right. end of the day to go weigh them all in. Whereas now with, with the marshal and, and being able to, to measure it, weigh it, because there are minimums to the length. So if they don't make a certain minimum, they'll have to measure that to see, and then they weigh that fish. And as soon as that fish is weighed, the fish is released, and then the record uh, is going to be inputted with you. I think it's an iPad is what right. it looks like, but some sort of tablet. And it goes into what's called now the score tracker, which is what we're reading that's to what, you. Yeah, so that's what you're reading. We've been talking about Jacob Wheeler here tracking what he's doing. He's at 91 pounds even. So he's still catching them. He just caught a 2-4, and then there's 14, 14 minutes left. And so he's probably <laughs> caught over 100 pounds of fish because it has to be at least 2 pounds to, to score, and he's caught 90-some pounds of fish that are over 2 pounds. So that's, Spencer, is it Sheffield? Yeah, Spencer Sheffield. There. Yeah, so 84 pounds, 84.08. He's caught 28. So Spencer's caught 28 fish for 84 pounds. Jacob Wheeler has caught 28 fish for 91. So he's caught bigger, a bigger average. Right, wow. Right. He's, he's doing really well. And there is, because the, this format that you're talking about is, every, they call it every fish counts, catch, weigh, release. There is a little bit of different strategy to that because if somebody catches 100 two-pounders, they're, they're going to beat somebody that catches 10 five-pounders. Mm-hmm. And so some people don't like that. And some people do. I think most of the time, and the statistics show, that the best angler, I think it's 92% of the time, the angler that caught the most fish would also be the angler that would win if it were the best five, 92% of the time. So most okay. of the time, most of the time, it's still the best angler at that event that is winning. But your strategy changes a little bit because you're trying to catch more fish, more scoreable fish. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're fishing a five-fish tournament, if you only get five bites, but they're all five pounders, 
then you had a great day even though you only caught five fish. Right. So your strategies do change the way you target, the size of baits, the color of baits, and the areas that you fish, just depending on whether you're fishing for five fish or you're trying to catch as many that you can. Um, but most for, most most of us, the little guys, we're fishing tournaments trying to get five big ones. Yeah, and I want to add in here that, you know, even though MLF has changed from carrying around the boat all day to then catch and release um, after you weigh it, you know, they still take pride in, like, taking care of these fish. And so some different rules that are taking place in the MLF than in your your other tournaments is that if, if your fish touches the boat, you know, falls down and flops on the floor, like, there are violations because they want to limit – how long these anglers are holding on to the fish and how they're taking care of the fish. And that to me is really, really cool. Yeah. All right. You're looking back at your 15-year-old self, 15-year-old Ben. Yeah, I remember that. And you get to stand before him, and he's going to ask you, 15-year-old Ben asks 25-year-old Oh, I thought we were at Jesus. I thought we were in heaven. No. I was like, what's going on? 15-year-old Ben says, hey, old Ben, what do I need to know about bass fishing? What skills do I need reading water, learning fish, baits. What is it that I need to learn to go be a tournament bass fisherman? What do you tell them? Man, you're putting me on the spot. Um, You know, what I would like to have known when I was 15 is because I started my journey um, with my uncle, he set me on the right track to like, to know some of the basics. Uh, But but even his... um, education was limited like we use just a couple baits all day you know and so then after seeing these these professionals using a wide variety boy i mean it sparked like oh my goodness yeah. you can use that you know and so 20 20 rods rigged with yeah. all different baits yes and, and pick i felt them all so up. good yeah, yeah they could grab a new one and flip it and you're not trying to because when i was 15 you were using a swivel you had one rod and you have five different baits <laughs> you're using a swivel and you're switching out because you want to try these other baits, but oh, anyway. Can you imagine doing that today? You know, I think the one thing, though, that I would would like to have told, if I could, yeah, to answer your question would be um, the mechanics. Like, every day, cast, cast, cast. Learn how to, wherever you want that bait, to be able to hit it with, yeah. with just precision. Like, casting, because I was more wrapped up in, man, I got to go buy that bait. I got to go try that. You know, I got to go get that line. I was really wrapped up into what TV marketing were, were gear, pumping yeah. out because I'm seeing guys holding these fish up with the lure in their mouth. But it wasn't until I got older, started getting around more anglers, and really watching how and why they're a professional is not only do they know what the biology – well, they're not biologists, but they, they understand most of the habits of these fish. They've, like, tuned in to their habits. Um so that would be the second thing. First would be just using that equipment correctly. Being able to cast exactly where you want to is is so – I mean, when you watch Jacob Wheeler, it's just amazing. Like these professionals can pitch it into a coffee can, no problem in any – I mean, it's just awesome. Yeah. And then the second thing is really – You ever watched Andy Montgomery skip docks? Oh, yeah. It's it's an, it is it's, unbelievable. It's, Some of those guys can just cast like – Yeah, I would love to have – I'd love to try some of their gear. I I know it it, it isn't all about the gear, but having some of that really quality gear that they have does help. It does, but that's what I was kind of trying to actually share was maybe a little opposite that I got more wrapped up in I got to have this gear. When honestly, if you picked five baits, just five, and you could could use them how they were designed, um, you could cast them how how you're supposed to and, and work them how they're supposed to be used, 
it changes the game, man. And I, I would love to have known that then, um, what I know now. Yeah. All right. What about the mental side? Because let me tell you, even if you're fishing a little tournament and the winner, the winner gets 300 bucks and you've already spent 400 <laughs> you're still coming out negative. Yeah. There's a lot of mental pressure and emotions that go throughout a tournament day or a tournament weekend if it's a two-day plus practice. I mean, it can wear on you. Uh, what What would be your advice to a 15-year-old, Ben, about that mental side? Because the pressure can build. Yeah. You know, if, if, if the 15-year-old, you're going to be out with other adults. And that's more beneficial because I've never hit a level where I was fishing a tournament by myself. And it was just me. Um you don't have to be at that level. You could go enter them today in what we'll call the derbies, you yeah. know, the little local tournaments. But to be at that level of which these pros are where they're, it's all them. It's 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 all just they are by themselves figuring it all out. Um, I, I can't share what I would do because I'm, I haven't. But if you're going to a tournament you're going to fish against somebody in the same boat, basically, or you're buddied up with somebody, um, remember that people matter more than the fish, people matter more yeah. than the money. Um, I know you're there to make the money and to beat the people, but your mind, you can you can fix your mind. You can set your mind back right again when you begin to put the other people first, yep. uh, even that's with you. Um, and that, that will help even get your mind off of how you're feeling because you're beginning to serve. I know it sounds stupid to maybe some of the listeners, like, that don't make sense. You're out trying to compete against them. But when you get so wrapped up in thinking you got to beat and you're doing awful like uh, – None of that really is healthy, and mm-hmm. and if, if you would put the people first, uh, it would. I think you would do better. I, I hope that makes sense. I agree. I think yeah. that is a, a really great point that that a lot of guys do forget, or it, it's it is easy because of the competitiveness and well, kind of that you, esteemy. You, like, I, what are they going to think of me? Well, but you watch these guys, uh, you know, and some of it is fun and play with their buddies, but you know, you'll watch if if you watch went back and watched every tournament that you could get your hands on. You're going to see, like, anglers talking to people on the bank. Hey, how's your day? I mean, the people that are, are confident and competent, they're they're really at a position of where, like, you know what, let's let's be nice to the other people yeah. around us. And whereas you'll see these anglers that they're battling for a hole and they're cussing each other out. And it's like, this isn't what it's about, no. guys. Like, if you're, if you're at that level, then go. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, show your – but anyway, it goes back to that integrity. It goes back to character. Yeah. Um, and, and fishing professionally, you will, you will see the character of many men. And, and you'll have and, your, you'll have your character challenged too. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and that's absolutely. when you got to stand up with, with absolutely. integrity. And, and, and that's what I would add. I want to piggyback off the, the, the confident and competent comment you made there. If you're a young angler or really an angler at any stage, be confident in what you are doing. And, and that you, you kind of have to learn yourself and, and know when to quit something, when to start something new, like, okay, I've tried this and it isn't working. I, I have to wrap this up and go try something new. Or no, you know what? I am good at this. I know eventually I'm going to get a bite this way. I need to stick with this. Mm-hmm. Learning where those lines are for you personally are really important because they're different for every angler. But even more so, the experiences that you've had, the resources that you had, the knowledge and skills that are just innate given to you, they're given to you by God, the creator. So who you are in that moment, that tournament day, standing on the front deck or back back of that boat, you can't you can't change who you are. You shouldn't compromise who you are like you're saying, yeah. but be confident that who you are and the results that happen this day is from God. Mm-hmm. And either take it with celebration, always take it with praise, whether it's a good ending or a bad ending. 
learn from it either way. And then the next time that you go out, you're going to be better for it. Yeah. There's one more thing I'd want to tell any 50-year-old or my 15-year-old self. Um, this comes from probably my favorite angler of all time. Um, I, I only liked him in the beginning because I had a it was, it was mercury card, but uh, <laughs> it was his fishing card. You know, it, I, I, know who I had basketball, say, yeah. but it was Edwin Evers. Yeah. And he had did a special and really talking about how he got good at his craft is – and I don't know how he'd found the time to do this, right? And But as a 15-year-old, you could uh, set, you know, several months. Maybe it's a full year. His example was, for one year, only fish with a jig. And then when the next year comes, only fish with a spinnerbait. You know, uh, the next year, only fish with a crankbait. Because he was talking about truly learn how to use that lure all year round. And so for the 15-year-old, it would be pick the... Pick the top five baits that you're going to see all the time. Number one's jig. I'm going to leave that there, and you can fill in two, three, four, and five. Yeah. But get good with those baits. You know, I've got some family members. got my little cousin. He loves to bass fish. But he is going to go buy whatever bait the pros are using at that tournament at that time. Right. And that doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that that's good for you to use at the lake that you're going to fish at just because you watched it on TV in that moment. Well, so, you've fallen into that trap before. Absolutely. But <laughs> I'm talking to the 15-year-old self. Yeah. Pick those top five baits and get really good at them. Who cares about all of the other uh, influencer information that you're getting? Yeah. You know? and, uh, and once you make a decision, you're, all these psychological things going on, yes. once you make a decision— <laughs> Stick, Stick with it. With it. Yes. Go with it. I, 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 was it the same tournament that I was talking about earlier where we had to go get a cheeseburger and sweet tea just to talk ourselves? <laughs> we we ended up deciding we were going to go fish, but our commitment was we would do nothing Yes. and go nowhere yes. that we did during practice. Yeah. So practice ended up being valuable because we learned where not to go and what not to do. Right. And so we went a place we had never been before. We ran way up a river. Um, and we tied on red crankbaits, and, man, we started catching fish. Yeah, I think it was the conditions because the wind. We really were looking, basically started paying attention to around, and, and you had wind slamming the bank. Yeah. And we're like, that's where we're going. But we had to make this decision of we're not doing anything that we did before. We're, right. we're going to go completely unknown, which in a way that kind of feels like, man, what was the point of even coming to practice? But we knew what not to do. We didn't have to eliminate anything. But we did. We stuck with it, and that's what we went and did the other day. And I think we play. I think we got our money back. Yeah. I think we got our money back. Uh, it, yeah. was, it was like fourth or fifth place. We or something placed, like but that. I, I can't remember. Where, um, yeah. So it, en- it ended up being a good decision to make. But had we not stuck with it when it didn't work right away and, and started to get fickle or, or stopped after the first fish and thought, oh, we need to try something else, then we probably wouldn't have played. So a lot of psychological games, a lot of emotions, a lot of pressure. Make decisions, stick with them, and trust that God made you in that moment who you're supposed to be. Uh, ben, conservation and ethics. You've kind of already touched on the ethics. Right. We've talked a little bit about conservation, how how tournament trails are trying to make up new fishing formats that are that are more about conserv- conservation. And it is so important. Why Why is conservation... First, let's define the word. Yeah, we will. Yep. And and then give me a little bit to you why conservation is so important to tournament bass anglers. Well, conservation to me is so important because it's not preservation. <laughs> Let me say it again. <laughs> conservation is so important to me because it's not preservation. If we were per- trying to preserve these animals, then that means nobody gets to fish them. They're all left alone. Right. They're going to do what they're supposed to do. But 
we want to engage and use. And that's where that use is so important because we want to use it wisely, which is conservation, is wise use of our natural resources. And please take that definition to heart, learn that, know that, because that's what conservation is. It's wise use of it. It's why we can go out and catch these fish so that we can go out and catch them again tomorrow and the next day and someone else can and your mother and brother and father and son, they all can go out and do that whenever they choose to go do that because that resources is there to use. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect because you will have death. You will have some of that decay that's taking place because we're using it. And so the wise use of that is so important. I shared earlier, you know, MLF, you get a penalty of time um, so if you're catching a bass, it comes up out of the water, you bring it up and it drops on the, uh, boat of the floor, you get a penalty for that, uh, landing violation. And you have to sit out for, I don't know, I'm say two minutes. I don't right. know if they've changed that, but you have to sit out several minutes, um, and you can't fish. And so that hurts a professional angler as they're trying to make money by catching as many as they can, that hurts them. And so they are going to, to work at not doing that right? And that protects our fish, but they're still being caught. They're still being released. Um, that to me is, is what true conservation is. It is the wise use. And, and I think they're, I think they're doing that. And, and, and it's maybe a little controversial, something I would like to see change in professional bass fishing in, in major league fishing. Something I think they've done really well is those rules, those penalties for fish handling, fish handling penalties. You, you can't let this fish flop around on the bottom of the boat. Well, in Bassmaster, you can't use a net to land the fish. Right. Neither can you in MLF. You right. can't use a net. But there are there are no penalties for letting the fish come up and flop in the boat. So what you see a lot of times is guys boat flipping. They just pull the fish up. They never handle it, and they just let it flop right down on the carpet. Yeah. I wish they would change that. Why not use nets, set a standard and an expectation for the nets that are used? Like in trout fishing, you always want to use a rubberized net. Let's mm-hmm. set that, establish that. For these pro anglers, we know it takes more skill to land the fish without the net. We get that, but let's make it about the fish and use this resource wisely. I, that is one change I would like to see made. Yes, I agree. Conservation in bass fishing is more important now than it has ever been in the history of bass fishing mm-hmm. because bass have been an amazing resource, so much so that it has allowed tournament fishing to explode, like I was talking about earlier. It, they're going to have to make changes. Um, there were days last year that there were 900 to 1,000 boats, some of them, a lot yeah. of them with two people in each one bass fishing in a tournament on the same day on uh, on Table Rock Lake because mm-hmm. you've got all these high school tournaments now. Uh, public schools and private schools have fishing teams. Colleges have teams. That wasn't a deal when we were when we were young. Right. Um, and then you've got all your pros, all your all your weekend tournament, all your club tournaments, and you have so many guys out there and so many fish getting caught that it is hurting the resource. You and I have fished Table Rock Lake for years and years, and it is not as good as it used to be. You know, let me share share it this way. I don't know, I don't know when we say good or good or bad um, until some studies come out to to show the different uh, amounts of you know. I don't know how many fish were in the lake when I first started fishing versus how many there are now with being thousands of boats. However, we're going off that it's harder for us to catch them. It is. It, the game has changed in regards to how easy it is to catch fish. And that could be because of how busy, like how many people are out. It could be pushing those fish off the bank. If you go out on a Saturday and you want to fish a point, 
it's difficult to find. It one. is. And and if you sat there, you're going to watch 10 boats there within yeah. two or three hours. Yeah. Like fishing the same spot. It gets spot. hit really hard. So I don't want to say that it, that it's bad because I, I don't, I personally don't have any resources to say that it is. However, you and I are identifying though, if you have that many boats on that water, I mean, gas, fuel, if you have that many people on the water from throwing their baits in the lake, if you have that many people it, in the water, it, it that's, can't be good for that's, the yeah, habitat, that's the lipping. environment. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the fish we catch already ha- already already been caught. So we do know that it's impacting them a bunch, and hopefully it's not negatively, but it, it probably is. I'm not down on fishing exploding and for the lake being busy with fishermen. I love that more people are spending time outdoors. <laughs> I think that's where the creator wants us to be spending time with him and his creation. However, with change has to come change. It does. Like you, you have well, the, to manage responsi- the resource. Yeah, there's a responsibility. You're right. We we have to we have to be stewards of that resource, right. and so there there are going to have to be limits to how, how many, many tournaments. Or, there's a regatta website you can go on and check in, in tournaments, and they they're going to sell as many tournament permits as they can. But at some point, they're going to have to limit it. And so you know right. what, three hundred boats combined, I had however many tournaments is the limit on how many boats can be out in one day. They're going to have to start setting those limits or we're not going to have the resource I agree. anymore. I agree. On top of that, Ben, technology, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about sonar technology in particular, has completely changed the game in fishing. So bigger fish are being caught. I think it was Brian Latimer, who's a, who's a pro fisherman, uh, one of my favorites. He was talking about how 15 pounds is the new 12, meaning that if you caught five fish that weighed 12 pounds... You were going to be in the mix. You were going to be in the mix. You're probably going to cut a check in a pro tournament if you could catch 12 pounds a day. Well, now you have forward-facing sonar, and he's saying now that's 15. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to have to get to 15 now. So a three-pound increase is that's pretty large. That's like a 20% increase. So getting bigger fish, people are catching more fish. They don't necessarily have to have the same skills as before. The nuances of reading the water and uh, triangulating. Uh, if you don't know what that is, then that's you're definitely in the sonar age, and you didn't you didn't fish before that. Uh, flashers, those those have all gone by the wayside. It is easier to find fish, and it is easier to catch fish now because you know where they're at. That's more than half the battle is actually finding. Right. There are guys out there now that say I will never make a cast in a tournament if I cannot see a fish on my sonar. Mm. And you and I probably cast more. Oh. Yeah. in areas that are no fish than yeah. we do actually at fish because well, we don't have the forward-facing so. Right, we don't. But even – we, I still wouldn't use my forward imaging at – we're pitching shallow most of the time and flipping stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, but anyway, I, I do want to add in here on the tournament selection because uh, you talked about clubs and, and, and all these different levels. There are many benefit tournaments. Yeah. Um, those benefit tournaments, it, tournaments if, if you're wanting to, to fish your first tournament – or you're wanting to take out the youth to to do a tournament, um, I think these are the best ones to do to get started. So you can look um, online locally at your regatta, and you're going to see what tournaments are taking place. Um, you're going to – a lot of people use Facebook to share like, hey, a benefit uh, tournament coming up. But those benefit tournaments are so much fun. It's not real expensive to get into, mm-hmm. you know, and – Yeah, they're, they're usually – it's half the price yeah. of some of the, yeah and it's still competitive because people want to win but it's still more about the we're here to to serve this person yeah. right can i can i get some encouragement for for benefit tournaments yes. they're my favorite to fish yeah. 
it takes just a, a touch of the pressure off because right. you're not so worried about losing your money because you know it's going to, to some someplace good. But my encouragement, and this is, I, I saw this firsthand, and, I, and I'm going to go ahead and give the guy a shout out. The last tournament, benefit tournament that I fished, um, there was a pro in it, an elite series pro. And I was kind of like, Ugh, and it was on his home lake. Yeah. I had a good day. Yeah. Like, I had a good day. I thought I was going to be up, you know, top 10. I think I had like 14 pounds or something. And he absolutely smashed. He had 26 pounds. It's Cody Huff. Yeah. Um, he, he fishes on the elite series. And I thought, that son of a gun, come in here and take this benefit. Well, he turned around and he took every penny of that money of the winnings. Because usually benefit tournaments will be like 50% of the pot goes to the charity, 50% of the pot goes to the winners. Well, he turned around and he gave every penny back to that charity. And I thought, you know what? That is so cool. Yes. And I think if, if that – I want to encourage anybody that goes and fishes a charity tournament, if you win anything – Turn around and give it back. You will you will feel more joy about the way you fished and and then the act of service that you provided than than winning any tournament. So that would be my encouragement if you do go go in with the mindset that if I win, I'm giving it away. Yeah, and and you get to take out uh, a kid that's never fished a tournament before. And again, the most of the time you don't have your huffs in there fishing, um, so you can. <laughs> You can kind of put your skills to the test with some of the other locals just to see, you know, your skills, how well you can do. That's something about tournament bass fishing, though. Like, anybody can enter Yeah. most of the time. Sometimes there'll be disclaimers like, no, if you've fished professionally in the last five years, you can't enter this right. tournament or whatever. Or if, right. if you've exceeded $15,000 in tournament winnings, you're not allowed. But a lot of tournaments, anybody can enter. So you do get to go. We fished against... I just in local tournaments we fished against a lot of of professional fishermen and it's fun to kind of see where you stack up and it is. when you do beat them even if you don't win money <laughs> yeah. it's like ah yeah, yeah I didn't do too bad right. yeah. especially well, if you're in your 17 foot aluminum <laughs> exactly it, it helps you build confidence and and uh, yeah once it allow it gives me enough confidence to where I want to go try it again and, and keep doing it yeah so one thing I want to point out because what we're still on the conservation topic is that. While there are so many anglers using, and a lot of people are going to say now because of technology, because of the boom, overusing, we're getting to the point we're going to have to start putting some conservation practices in. Catch and release was a great thing that got input decades ago. Uh, catch, weigh, release, some of these new things, these are great. But all fishermen, and some fishermen may not know this, are conservationists. Mm -hmm. They all are right. because of an act. Mm -hmm. This is actually a federal excise tax that was put in in 1950. It's called the Dingle Johnson Act. Um, I believe there are two professors, Professor Dingle and Professor Johnson. That is not made up. I You can look it up. <laughs> yeah. It is, they are, that is their real name. We've joked about it for years. We've years. joked for years, but it's the Dingle Johnson Act. But what is so awesome about that is any taxable fishing items, rod, reels, line, baits, anything that a fisherman goes and buys, there's an excise tax on that, and it goes directly back to a federal fund that is then given to the states. Um, and a lot of times the states may have to put in like 25% or whatever, but then 75% match goes into that that goes directly into our lakes and streams and fishing habitat. And that's where the money comes for conservation. Yeah. So there are things in place. Let's, um, there's also imports and exports on that. So, yes. Um, you know, a lot of, we'll just use Bass Pro as an yeah, example. Yeah, I should have said et cetera. Um, it's a long list. Of, yeah, yeah, but like Bass Pro sometimes will have to send in the money on some of those products because that's where that tax comes from. So you, the buyer, don't even realize sometimes that uh, that's built into the cost of your fishing yeah, rod you're buying. It is. But, um, but because you're purchasing that equipment, it definitely 
um, goes back to conservation in, in some way. Before I have you share a story, mm-hmm. in tournament bass fishing, there's talks about banning forward-facing sonar on the professional levels. There's talks about limiting the number of people that can fish tournaments. All kinds of talks about what regulations may be coming down the road. I mean, there are pros, modern hornets at each other about this, that, and the other. Is tournament bass fishing right now in its current state, is it dead or alive? I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't have this answer until just now. So what's on my heart and what I believe is really happening is, is this isn't just bass fishing. Um, me and my son were watching basketball. Um, is it, we're getting ready to playoffs. Is that where we're at? I, I don't know. We were watching. Um, NBA? Yeah, in the NBA. Yeah. Still weighs um, up. Still weighs out. Okay. Whatever game we watched the other night, um, just, yeah, just the other night we watched um, the Lakers Chiefs. Lakers and Warriors. Uh, we watched, well, yeah, we watched that. We just watched the Chiefs um, versus the Ravens. and um, That's football. That's football. And <laughs> you you jumped on me from basketball to football. Well, but it, to me, it is all a sport. Just professional, yeah. And okay. You have this professional sports, and what you're starting to see, like, you even have times where they're having to bleep out the cuss words that these players are saying out on the basketball court. And and even while the ref was trying to talk in this football game, his mic, the, the NBC or whoever, CBS, whoever's airing it, had to mute out because the because the quarterback's over there cussing him out. Like, right. I believe what I'm putting together here right now is like it, it is more than just fishing. It is more than it's it's all these sports combined. And, and until we get back to this understanding and this fundamental of these are just sports, how blessed are we that we get not we, but the professionals, they get to go make money doing a sport. And and I get wrapped up in some of them because they're they're passionate about we need this yeah. or we need that. But at the end of the day, this is a sport. This could die out next week, and we could go on. We're having to ration food, and and we're taking copper out of the electronics to send in for whatever <laughs> war. I mean, the point is, is that some of these professionals need to reel themselves back in. They need oh. a reality check. Yeah, reel <laughs> them in. No, no pun fishing pun intended. Yeah. I mean, seriously though, because. How, how blessed are we that we get to go out, we have the opportunity to go out and fish, not only for fun, but perhaps to go make money or to benefit some child with cancer. That is a blessing. And so yeah. perhaps we are getting too wrapped up in where we're at as a country, as a whole, like with this. Um, yeah, th- That's probably where my answer lies, Brian. It's It's more about let's get back to the basics and realize that we need to take care of our natural resources first. Yes. Second is let the fishermen be fishermen. Sometimes mm-hmm. we put too many rules upon these games. If it if it isn't about the natural resources and we're making these rules, why? So let's look at those rules and then let's get out and go fish. Yeah. Quit trying to cheat. Quit trying to to hit these lines or or where's the gray area. Go fish. Do your job, but have fun at it. Like that's my spiel. I'll quit. <laughs> Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a turn to answer, too. That was a yeah. really good answer. Thanks. Um, what is on my heart is you're going to – you can go on YouTube and you can look at all the big channels uh, in, in the fishing world and, and professional names and all the podcasts out there, and you're going to hear all of these professional fishermen interviewed. And a lot of them are going to say the same thing, that, that tournament bass fishing is – they're not going to use the word dead. They're going to say it's dying and it's not in a good state. And I want to say, I'm going to kind of a little, a little bit go down your road. I'm going to say that they're wrong. 
And the reason is because they all give the same reason. And the reason is that they aren't making as much money. Mm. So I think they need a heart check and they need to look in the mirror and say, well, what am I worshiping? What is my God? Have I made money, my little G God? Mm-hmm. Some of these men are Christian, and, and I think they need, to, they need to have that heart check because they're saying, well, back in, in 2000, we got paid 300000 for this tournament, 500000 for that, and now it's not there anymore. Well, the reason for that is because tournament fishing is so alive because yeah. there are so many tournaments, there are so many YouTubers, there are so many people in the fishing world now that all of that money has had to be spread out. So it can't be condensed down to a $500,000 pot just for the pros. Because now you have YouTubers, now you have high schoolers, now you have colleges. And all of these businesses, all the organizations, Garmin, Hummingbird, Rapala, Luz, Strike King, they all still only have the same amount of money to spread out amongst all of them. So yeah, they aren't when resources are spread more thin, just like our bass are, there isn't going to be as many bass and there isn't going to be as much money. Right. You're still getting to do it for a living. I would like everybody just to look in the mirror and say, what am I worshiping? Am yeah. I worshiping the God that gave me the ability, the opportunity to go do this? Or am I mad because I'm not getting as much money as I was before? Yeah. Yeah. And and at the deepest level of it, it, it is the hard issue. And I think that's, that's why I brought up sports. Um, period. I mean, other than fishing from the basketball to the football, um, because I truly believe our country is different than it was when I was a kid and, and how people are treating other, other people is, is different than when I was even in college. Yeah. Um, that is impacting everything all the way down to our professional platforms that, that we're getting to watch and take in. And it so, is. um, so it just, is our trick. Just an encouragement to everybody to, and we have to change do it ourselves, it. Yeah. To, to look in the Starts mirror and, us. Yeah. and be an advocate of, of the change, of, of the consistency, of integrity and respect, and, and worshiping God instead of the, the things that are in our lives. Ben, let's wrap up by sharing a memory or a story uh, surrounding our theme today, tournament bass fishing. you have a favorite one? Yeah, kick us off and, and I'll, yeah, I'll uh, close us up. Oh, I needed a minute to think. Oh, all right. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> you know, uh, my favorite, it, it is hard to narrow down to one, one moment of a tournament. Um, but, but the one that hurts, the one that stings the most was um, my last year in the, in the Central Pro-Am and... Uh, because on the amateur side of that boat, you only had to have three um, as your limit, whereas the pro had to have five. Yeah. And, I mean, to this day, I've, I probably have told this story already um, in one of our podcasts, but um, I needed one more fish. I needed one more keeper um, to be in it. Um, I had I had fished enough tournaments, and I had placed um, high enough in, in several of the tournaments that I was able to fish this championship, and that's what it was. This was the championship. Yeah, cool, um, really cool. It was a, a, a two-day championship, and you had to you had to place uh, in the top. I'm going to say top ten, but uh, you had to place in the top ten to move on the second day, and, and you could win things like a new boat, four wheelers, um, money. I mean, it was it was a higher end uh, tournament, and I needed one more fish. And my professional that with me, he didn't do very well. And at the end, he he tried to to really set me up for that success because I had caught two keepers. Oh, that was I kind. caught behind him. Yeah. yeah, he was he was one of the. That was very kind. He was one of my, yeah. You uh, remember his name? No, that's I don't. Okay. That's okay. And, and I, I wish I could. I want to go back. I have a magazine. I want to go back and find him. I love to see what he's doing, um, to at this you know doing today. Yeah. But I 
needed one more fish, and he goes, you know what? We're about out of time, and we don't really have any more places to go. Let's fish this bank that takes us all the way back in before we have to go back to the ramp. And I said, okay. And I had a jig. I narrowed it down. I was fishing jig. We were, we were fishing around zero to 12 feet of water, and I was casting, casting, nothing, nothing, and I had this bite, and this sucker thumped. And when you talk about that mental, like, you're thinking, I I have to get this thing in. I mean, yeah. I, I have to. Like, this is it. This is my um, this is my three. I'm going in. I, and I knew if I could catch three keepers, I knew that I would be placing, like, just with how everybody was, yeah. who I was In the with. championship. In the championship, yeah. yeah. And anyway, um, had this thump. I mean, I lock it. You could tell my pro, he's he's <laughs> so excited. It came up to about five feet of the boat. And, and all of a sudden, he just lost this. It was like his shoulders dropped. And I didn't know why until I got it about one foot in from the boat. And it was a drum, which is a non-game species, and it doesn't count. Um, and so I've, I've always hated drum ever since then. And Brian's even got some drum stories of oh, us yeah. out and catching them instead. But it really hurt. Um, I'm talking ounces. Like, I, I want to say it was... Uh, I, no, it was less than ounces. Um, there was three of us that didn't make the. T- uh, we were. Uh, I'm trying to remember now. It has been so long ago, but I was. Let's say that uh, I can't even think math right now. But basically, within an ounce, there were three of us within an ounce of being away. And if any one of us three would have caught a third, we would have been. We'd have beat the tenth and ninth place oh, there. Man. We just needed one more keeper. Yeah. And I can't think of what my ounces were, but we were. Uh, what is less than an ounce? Is it tenths? Is that where we're at? Yeah, but tenths, hundreds. Yeah. We were, yeah. I mean, it was it was so close between 11, 12, and 13. Like, any one of us would have had one more keeper. We'd have beat um, any of those guys to get in. And I just thought, like, God, like, why? Yeah. You know, like, why? Like, that was, out of all the fish, I caught one, but it wasn't the right one. And and so that has always been been in my mind. Uh, that story's always been there. Well, but that, a, it's a good memory. But that feeling, yeah. that that mental emotion you go through of, I need this. You work hard for it. Oh, now I got it. And then you come back down when you're like, oh my gosh, this isn't. And that roller coaster, man, whew, it's tough. But that's what makes it awesome. That's what keep, keeps you coming back. I agree well, completely. My favorite, uh, I won't call it my favorite memory. It's the memory I'm going to say today. It was, it was a really good memory. It was you and I fishing a tournament together. And most of the time I feel like I go into a tournament and I have this plan I'm going to have my five an hour, and I'm going to upgrade from there. And it never, I mean, never, it never goes that way. Well, this oh. day, I actually did not get to pre-fish. You got to pre-fish with somebody else, and you were like, at the time, this was when uh, the kind of grub-style ribbed paddle tail swim baits were really just really just starting to take off. It's been several years ago. They now. were so good when they, they first came out. And you could still catch fish on them, yes, but it's not like not nothing. like when they first came oh. out. And so you're like, man, I got got these swim baits. I got the spot. And you're telling me about the five pounder and all these fish you got to, and you're like, we're going straight there. And again, we're, we're this is still back. We're in a little 17 foot aluminum tracker, an old one too. I think 60 horse, you had a 60 horse yeah. Merc on it. Oh yeah. And yeah. you were like, we're going. And I'm like, where is it? And you showed me and I was like, Dude, that is not close to takeoff, and you're like, we're going. We get there, it's raining, and you're like, oh, we're going. So we get out there, and you've talked this up, and I'm like, dampering my expectations. Like, <laughs> I'm glad he's excited. I'm I'm glad he believe in you know, 
And dude, within the first few casts, both of us and the fish are popping up out of the water. Yeah. There, you could literally look out and see the bass. Yeah. Flying around. They had pushed these shad up on this flat in the early morning, and we were we were whacking them. And we had five, I think, in 20 minutes. And they were all, like, around two pounds. Yeah. So not, like, a huge limit. But you're like, no, I caught a five-pounder. There's some big ones mixed in. So we're catching, and we're we're culling. I think we caught ended up catching, like, 15 to 20 keepers here in this spot in a matter of, like, an hour. And we're culling up, like, a few ounces at a time. I think we got to, like, 12 pounds. And all of a sudden, dude, about a cast and a half away, the water explodes like a bomb got dropped. And you hit that trolling motor on high, and we got close enough to cast. And I had, I grabbed my top water that was just tied on, and I threw it out there. And I don't remember what you had on, but you <laughs> threw it out there. And both of us at the same time set the hook, and our rods are so bent. And we're both going, big one, big one, big one. Yeah. Well, then after a couple cranks coming in, we're like, I'm not sure it's a bass. I'm not sure it's a bass, but this is where we've been fishing, catching bass after yeah. bass after bass. Right, yeah. And so we're thinking maybe we each have a four or five pounder. And we get these fish up and it's bass, but they're white bass, white bass. which do not count in a black bass tournament. Uh, and they were both four pounders, mm-hmm. but that's what Huge. the explosion was, was white bass. And yeah. we had to let them go. And I think maybe we culled up one other time throughout that day. We ended up getting third place in that tournament, but just really cool. When you have this exciting plan and you go out, and honestly, it was even better than what you told me it was going to be like. So that is a super memorable day for me because those days are few and far between. But just the thought that maybe that could happen again, yeah. and it does every once in a while, right. those are the memories that keep you going. Right. Uh, if you want to try tournament bass fishing, maybe to make a memory like that or or to have some memories I encourage of, of everyone. Failure, I mean, give it a try. Find, yeah, yeah uh, there are so many people that are out doing it. Find a friend, call a friend. Um, Call reach out a buddy to us. and have them, yeah, reach, reach out to us. Reach out to uh, us. We'd love to to hook people up with trying to fish tournaments because yeah. there isn't anything else on earth that uh, gives me that thrill than the butterflies. Yeah, yeah, the butterflies. Absolutely. You can reach out to us m to be outdoors at gmail dot com. You can message us on Facebook, on Instagram. Follow along on all those accounts as well. Follow along on TikTok, whatever platform that you listen to the podcast on. If you would hit the automatic download, subscribe button, share it with a friend, we'd really appreciate that. The best thing you can do to really support us, and we would really kindly ask you to do this, and that is to leave us a review and a rating. Those really help us to go up the charts, uh, move up in our category, which I think is nature um, in in most uh, of the platforms that helps us move up those search engines so that people can find us on YouTube. Leave us a comment. Maybe tell us, hey, uh, you got this wrong or you got this right, or thank you so much for sharing this. Or would you guys maybe do a a topic, do an episode about this topic? We love when listeners leave us ideas for topics for the episode. It's it's good. Free content is always good. It helps uh, give our our brains uh, a little rest of trying to always think up what we're going to talk about the next week. Most of all, we're so thankful that you've listened. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. And we hope that between now and that time that you remember you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.